Everyone complains that there's a lack of willing workers out there. And let's be honest, from carry out to car repair, employment opportunities abound if you can just get the bodies to apply. When it comes to your shop, quality can be a lot more attractive than quantity when it comes to job applicants. How can you ensure that when the right person comes to work for you, you give him or her every chance to succeed? You only get one chance to make a good first impression, and you only get one chance to set up a new employee for success. Welcome to Shop Owner Solutions. Hi again, everyone. I'm Doug Kaufman, editor of Shop Owner Magazine. Shop Owner Solutions is designed to be a lifeline to shop owners, helping you understand that the struggles you're facing are not unique. There are a lot of others swimming in the same pool of confusion. With me here in the lifeguard station is Vic Tarasik from Shop Owner Coach. Vic, far too often managers think that when you start out a new employee, all you need to do is give them a quick introduction to the two or three people they'll be working with and you know, maybe show them where the bathrooms are, tell them the hours that they'll be working and when payday is and they're, they're good to go. Is that really all it is? I would like to say it is, but it's not quite as close as it should be. So we've got leading policies and procedures. The question is, do we really want to tell the janitor how to sweep the floor? <laughs> Sure, having a new hire orientation in place can shorten the learning curve of that new hire and make him more effective. But are they, the policies and procedures too rigid? Is there a better way? Is leading and managing the same? We're gonna learn from a corporate leader today on how he effectively brings big business practices to the shop environment. We'll talk with Mike Maloney of Convenience Auto Service in Ann Arbor, Michigan, who brings the big business principles and leadership culture to convenience auto. Mike, welcome to Shop Owner Solutions. Thanks for having me on, guys. Mike, how can shops do a better job onboarding their employees? Well, I, I think that uh, employees today, particularly younger employees, they're looking for, for two things. One, what's in it for me, obviously, and I think all of us as employees feel that way. But secondly, and maybe more important, is do you care about me? And how do you, how do you uh, impart that feeling to your employees is very important. And the way that we onboard is a little bit different here, and we all rely on our, on our backgrounds and our previous life experiences to try to make our businesses our own. Because I, I really firmly believe that when you're in a business, the employees take on the personality of the leader. Whether you realize it or not, they take their cues from you. And uh, that's, I think, the most important part, making people feel welcome right off the bat, making them feel like they're a part of something that's important, maybe bigger than they are. And if you can, if you can get that across, and I think it's a harder sell nowadays than it was maybe uh, 15 or 20 years ago, you can really connect with that employee. And then all of the training that you do has a better effect. I think it sticks better. Mike, what is your background? What kind of history do you bring to the table? Well, I, I'm kind of late to car repair. 
and I worked uh, for Ford Motor Company and a couple of other uh, car OEM suppliers for most of my career, over 30 years. I managed factories. I ran worldwide product development uh, for uh, a couple of different uh, OEM suppliers, and and also I I ran the worldwide audio business for Ford. So I I have a lot of cross-cultural experience. I have a lot of large organization experience, and so I think I, uh, I try to I try to uh, keep that all in mind when I'm talking to my employees and, and trying to make things happen here at Convenience Auto. There's a, a, an advantage to being really big, but uh, also a, that strength or that advantage can be a weakness if you're not careful. As you get larger, obviously you need more policies, more procedures, more rigidity. But that also cuts down on your effectiveness, the way that you can connect with employees and customers. And I, I really feel like the way that David beats Goliath, and I'm, I'm a two-shop David, that's for sure, is that we have to empower our people to recognize that uh, they they can do what they need to do to make sure that customers satisfy. That's the number one goal, is that everybody walks out of here with a smile on their face. And so sometimes we act like a big company, sometimes we act like a mom and pop. And getting that across to your employees right away on the first day is really important. A lot of your 20 groups and uh, textbook kind of, of leadership programs are uh, are talking about. I just, I think, and Jim Collins wrote a book, a seminal book about 20 years ago called Good to Great. And he, he said that uh, most companies believe that people are their most important product or their most important resource. And uh, Collins says that, that good people having the right people to start with, and it goes right back to the, the hiring process and your assessment of that employee in the first 90 days is really important. Because when you get a good person, if you have a good person that understands your values and where you want to take your company, you know, aside from, you know, where's where's the key and where do you want the cars parked at night, you know, there's process and procedural kinds of things, certainly that everybody needs to know and understand. But the really important things, how do I treat customers? How do I make them feel? How do I deal with my my colleagues at work? How do I treat my boss? Uh, what's important to tell them? Lines of, all that kind of thing. If, you, if you've got the right person, if you've got a really good person, you really don't have to spend a lot of time on that, in my opinion, if you've got the right man or woman. At Ford, of course, you could probably have a couple of people, perhaps, in a department that sort of slip under the, uh, you know, they slip under the radar. If they aren't top shelf, they may get away with it. At a smaller shop, you don't have that luxury of being able to have a couple of eh, mediocre guys, right? There's no place to hide in our company. Uh, there's, there's, there's no place. There's just no place to hide in a small company if you're, if you're running it lean, which you know, unless you're really, uh, really lucky, you're trying to, to make do with the fewest number of employees. Certainly in the last year and a half, we've all learned to do that better or, or we perished. 
So I think you're right. The selection process becomes a lot more critical because everybody's got to contribute. So Mike, you embrace standard operating procedures, but also you make room for the ability of the employee to flourish and grow and talents to come out in your company. You know, rather than you know, a shop that's in a 20 group that the guy gets a book of policy procedures and he tells his staff, this is how you do things. How do you adhere to procedures, but how do you bring the best out of them and lead them versus manage them? Right. That, I think that's a great question. And I'm, Vic, I'm still learning how to do that. It's, a, it's really it's a lifelong process, right. without a doubt. I just I, I just picked this off my shelf, and this is this is right out of the Jim Collins book. And Jim Collins would say that the first step is that you have the right people in the right seats on the bus. Everybody who's on the bus knows who the bus driver is and where they're going. And even sometimes good employees can't really understand that alignment or how important that step is. And sometimes good people have to be asked to leave the bus. But once you've got everybody in the right seats, um, then it's, it's, uh, it is so much easier. The, the role of the leader becomes so much more productive and so much less stressful because we spend a lot more time on values we spend a lot more time on how we want customers to feel when they walk out. And I get across to every employee, whether they're, whether they're, they're sweeping floors or, or, uh, or cutting down weeds out in front of the building, or they're master mechanics. When they walk in to our business, they walk into Convenience Auto, they're empowered to do anything that I would do. And if it means that they have to roll over for a customer, they got to give somebody all their money back, they, they have to fix their car for free, they have to fall on their sword, whatever it is, they're empowered to do anything that I can do. Now, that's a, that's a real serious responsibility, but it also makes employees feel really great because if a customer is not happy with something that's happened, they don't have to go back and ask the boss. They're empowered. And and the the one result that we're looking for is that customer smiles when they leave. Right. But it's very important. You have to have the right person in order to be able to entrust them with that very awesome responsibility. They're they all feel like business owners. They all need to. And that's how David beats Goliath, I think. If you can get that across, then of course some employees can't handle that responsibility. Well, if they, you know, if they don't, if they don't handle the responsibility very well, or they make make errors in judgment about what to do, then you know you have to talk to them and you go through a normal kind of a counseling process that uh, that you would do with any kind of a of a situation where the employee doesn't meet your expectation. So with empowerment comes the opportunity for mistakes. And when you allow people to make a decision, they might make the wrong decision. You, come, you and I come from the same school that I would rather you make a decision and it's the wrong one than make no decision at all. 
because now the bus isn't moving forward. Because empowering is a scary thing. You're in that take that essence of that word. It's empowering. You are giving them your power. What would you say to a shop owner who's having some difficulty? Well, the the first thing the first thing is that uh, empowerment can be very scary, but it it's even more scary. Not the right the right uh, grammar to use. Scarier, more scary, more terrifying. If you don't have the right person, and that's that's the predicament. If if you don't if you don't have the right person, and the person doesn't have the right character, then that makes it a lot more dangerous. And if you haven't done a good job of making sure that that person understands your your values and what what the objective is, that that also can make it more treacherous. Instead of talking about um, decisions, Vic, and I, I, I absolutely understand what you mean, and I, I just am going to use the metaphor of uh, mistakes instead. But you can, I think you can interchange decisions and mistakes. We encourage people to make mistakes. And that probably seems a little zany to some people. But a mistake means that somebody is taking a risk. They're trying to grow. As long as they make the mistake and they're trying to do the right thing, and as long as they don't make the same mistake over and over and over again, then mistakes are good things. Again, that's... That's one of the one of the premises in our business is that when you make a mistake, I, I'm an old old guy, so I say when I make a mistake, I man up. That's probably sexist, and I I, I didn't have any sexist intent, but I, I think I think you know what I mean. When you make a mistake, you got to own it and and uh, admit that hey, I I could have done something better. People in our company know that they don't get fired for making mistakes. That's another thing that's really important on the part of the of the owner is you have to you have to create that culture where it's okay to own up to your mistake. Say this didn't go the right way. You know, I broke a bolt, or I made a customer angry because I didn't call them when I said I was going to call them. Whatever it is, and then we talk about it. Uh, and the old adage about praise in public and and counsel in private that mm -hmm. certainly is uh, that's pretty obvious to you guys i'm sure but we we talk about our mistakes why did the mistake happen and the answer to the question always starts with the letter i i did something or i didn't do something and then what could you have done differently what are you going to do different going forward to prevent it from recurring and hey, that's that's an investment in the individual. And uh, if you have an individual that learns from that and never makes that mistake again, holy Toledo, that's really empowering for the for the owner because now you don't have to worry about that ever happening again. Now, if you've got a person that keeps making the same mistake over and over again, then you know you go back to this, yep. and you got you got the wrong person in that particular seat on the bus and you gotta as a leader you can't put it off you gotta take care of it it, it kind of creates a cycle you use that for when you when you give performance reviews and you're talking about uh, performance incentives and things like that it's all it, it all kind of can fit together if you if you look at it on a holistic uh, basis now i know that we're kind of off the track of what you guys really wanted to talk about which is which is policies and procedures but i i i think it's it's really important 
to recognize that if you're too rigid and you have too many policies and procedures, that, that can really be a bad thing because I, where I came to this realization was uh, probably a, a year ago and we were, I was sitting down with my attorney, which I do every couple of years and we're going through the employee handbook. And I had a new guy that was looking at it and, you know, we're looking at this and he says, well, why do you have this policy? Well, we put that policy in after Fred, you know, an employee was abusing this. And, well, what about this? And, well, that was because, you know, Joe did this 15 years ago and we decided to put it in the book. He said, there's a pattern here. And all of this stuff that you're telling all of your employees not to do, you're encumbering their good judgment, cutting down on their ability uh, because of something that, Oh, and, and he said, and what happened to Joe or what happened to Fred? Well, they're not here anymore because they were not, they were not the right person. Uh, so we, we cut down a lot of stuff in our, in our handbook to uh, recognize that you either, you know, you have the, you have the, the moral compass, you have the drive and enthusiasm, you care about the, the customer, you care about the business, you care about me as your boss, you're humble, um, if you got all those capabilities, you can kind of throw the handbook out the window. You don't really need it anymore. In a lot of cases, the uh, the handbook is more of a reactive uh, document rather than a proactive document where you're hoping to, to guide people the right way rather than change them, you know, then restrain them from doing things. I, I, I think you're absolutely right about that. And... I, not to say that that uh, we don't have a handbook anymore, because there are certain things that you have to you have to put in there. You know, you you know you can't uh, harass your employees. We don't put up with abusive behavior towards one another. There's legal kinds of things that that need to be in there, uh, even though you don't uh, ever let things get that far. But uh, it, it's it's important to recognize. And I I'm I belong to a, a 20 group, which is a, a wonderful group of guys. And uh, there's one particular shop owner. I mean, he he must have a 400 page handbook. And it, I mean, it took him years to put this thing together. But I don't think anybody reads it. I know when I was at Ford, we had you know big books on everything from quality to personnel practices to all of that stuff and uh, nobody ever read that. You know, how much of that policy is, is, is still being used? You know, you, you may have, you know, carburetor jetting, uh, information in there. You may, but your point's right that the, uh, you know, the more you have written down and the more you have documented, the bigger, the burden to keep it all relevant. Right. I think that's the point that you were making. If you, if a shop owner fails to empower, he inhibits their overall growth. And what I love about you is you foster growth and you sound like Nordstrom. You know, their, their, their Nordstrom handbook is they've got one rule. Use good judgment in all situations. <laughs> and that's it. And then and you know, look at mistakes also. You, you have Edison who said, I haven't failed. I've just found 10,000 ways it won't work when he's creating the light bulb. If he was f fearful of failure, if he had this handbook that says, you know, upon the first filament break, go to, you know, this policy, hey, he never would have created a light bulb. You can, you can pick up, you go out to the library or go out to Barnes & Noble and pick up any self-help book, and that's 
that's the first lesson that any successful person uh, has to learn. That it's not it's not what happens when you fall down. It's how quick you get up. You need to make sure that each member of your staff has that attitude as well. Not just the lowest person who you're empowering to make mistakes, but the mid-level people who are accepting of those mistakes and you know allowing them to learn. How challenging can that be? Well, I I, I think you're you hit on one of the real basic tenets of of leadership. Uh, not only what you said, which is absolutely right and probably the most important po- point, but also when you when you think about the life cycle of an employee, you know, you might have somebody that's here now uh, and and right in the right in the place where you you want them, but uh, after five years or ten years in the company, do they still have those same values and do they still think about uh, things the way that the owner does or that you want them to. And that, I think, is one of the real critical kinds of, of tasks that the leader or the owner has, to keep people where you, where you want them, keep them thinking the right way. So it's the owner's responsibility Ooh. to keep them motivated and, and going in the right direction. Yeah, everything's always the owner's responsibility. <laughs> but but, actually, but, but, you, but you're, you're right, though. You, you do, do need to stay on top of it because if, if you lose sight of somebody and start to take them for granted, then they'll feel taken for granted and their performance will drop off. Everyone wants to feel a little bit of love. That, that's a very profound statement right there. We talk about the need for uh, ongoing training in the shop, but there's also that need for ongoing but maintaining that that drive towards uh, continued success, continuous improvement in all in all areas, including people's attitudes and uh, people need reinforcement too. When they, and Vic Vic taught me about this. It's uh, catching somebody doing the right thing and making sure that everybody in your organization sees it and appreciate it, and to use that as a as a way of recognition. Uh, man, that is powerful. That is powerful. We um, we have a we have a little uh, carnival wheel that I bought. I bought it on Amazon Prime or something. It's a it's like a you know it's like a carnival wheel. And I uh, when somebody does something something really cool or goes above and beyond, I I get out the wheel. You know, it's kind of corny, and we get everybody together. And there's there's all kinds of stuff on there. There's, there's, you know, hats and shirts and key rings. There's a day off with pay. There's lunch for the shop. There's lunch with Mike. There's, there's some good, there's some nice, nice prizes on there. Uh, you know, get your car detailed. And uh, we just, we let that employee step up and spin the wheel. It generates, it generates a boatload of enthusiasm. You know, it might cost me a hundred bucks or something like that, but we get a lot of benefit out of it. And when the shop does well, then everybody gets to spin the wheel. Vic, Mike mentioned your uh, profound statement. Uh, what have you learned? Well, one of the things I've learned, if a shop owner is a technician, <clears throat> he will ignore the 99% of things that's right with his company and focus on the 1% that's wrong. Because that's what he's trained to do on a car. When a car comes in, we ignore 99% of what is right and focus on the 1%. We have to invert that. We have to, we have to focus on everything that's going on right 
and celebrate those things around us. And that's where, you know, Mike and I got to talk about, you know, catch them doing something right. Recognize them publicly. So let's start off with show your employees you care. It's an ongoing thing. Empower your team. By empowering your team, you'll not only find what they do well, but you find that if they're continuing to do mistakes, you will reveal that you might not have the right guy. And, it, and if they're doing the right thing, you'll reveal that you've really got the right guy. And they'll be able to begin to take themselves and your company further than, than they would go. When you empower people, mistakes will happen. Use that mistake as a learning tool. Do not use it as a, a, a stick to beat your employee. Beat sheep don't perform well. Uh, failure to empower really impairs growth. And I'm going to bring it back to catch your employees doing something right, recognize them publicly, and reprimand them privately. You know, decisions can lead to mistakes. That's not a bad thing. Risks taken with reason can lead to significant success. I'd like to thank our guest, Mike Maloney from Convenience Auto Service in Ann Arbor, Michigan, for joining us today. Mike, you gave us a lot to think about, and we really appreciate your time. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. It's been my great pleasure. If you have questions about things that are keeping you from success, give us a call. Give us an email. I'm D. Kaufman at Babcox.com. Vic, how can they reach you? Vic at ShopOwnerCoach.com. This is Shop Owner Solutions. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again soon.